Welcome to The Rebound, where we'll explore the issues facing supply chain managers as our industry gets back up and running in a post-COVID world. This podcast is hosted by Abe Eskenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management, and Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Abe and Bob welcome your comments. Now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of The Rebound, moving towards digitally enabled end-to-end control towers. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Eskenazi. And joining us today is Patrick Hawks. Now, I once read a biography of the Rothschild banking family. They made a fortune hedging against Napoleon's battle at Waterloo, even though the family business was headquartered in London. So how did they do it? Visibility. Legend is that they got information about the battle in what was then considered real time, carrier pigeons, while their competitors were waiting on the newspapers to make their way across the English Channel. Now, visibility continues to be the difference between supply chain leaders and laggards. How we get it is what Patrick's going to talk about today. So, Abe, why don't you get us started? Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Patrick, welcome to The Rebound. Thank you, Abe. Now that we're in this for about four to five months, Patrick, give us a sense on what you're seeing, uh, the impact that COVID has had on the global supply chains. Well, it's a great question, Abe. Um, so a lot, right? So a lot of things have, have uh, changed and have been impacted by, by COVID. So obviously we've seen in, in the early uh, early start of the year a major disruption in the global supply chains, including supply chain shortages of companies who largely were depending on product supplies from China, operational disruptions, the need for rebalancing uh, manufacturing volumes through uh, alternative sites, a huge drop of the night in, in you know, in uh, lockdown countries or uh, with situations where there was a lockdown, uh, quite some different dynamics on the on the transportation front. Uh, so, including uh, huge spikes in uh, in air freight or in uh, in the lack of capacity in ocean freight, and then and then also you know search in, in some of the medical products and search in some of the e-commerce. I like to talk always about you know um, if you look into the COVID impact on global uh, value chains on five I call it inconvenient truths. One is the uh, the impact of, you know, and our dependence and vulnerability of the, the, the let's say, the China sourcing uh, base. Uh, the second one is on complexity of global value chains. And the third one is the, on lack of end-to-end visibility. Uh, and the fourth and fifth one is about the drop of demand and the rise of e-commerce. And perhaps if you talk about why we have this topic about visibility, it's linked towards, you know, over the last uh, few decades, we've been very, you know, uh, are looking into sourcing in low-cost country sourcing, hence, uh, for instance, China. Uh, so many companies have their supplier base there. And if you look into that combined on the complexity of global value chains, if you look into electronics components or other, other, other products where you know you look into the raw materials, the, the components, the semi-finished goods where they are made, sourced, you know, you know, assembled, uh, you see quite some complexity in that value chain. And that really as I think a key element here on, on the COVID situation is, you know, those companies that have been sourcing a lot of products in China uh, with the inability to, to manage such complex supply chain from a, you know, from a tier one, tier two, tier three perspective, you know, a lot of those companies have been in trouble in terms of the inability uh, to manage and steer accordingly. And that's, that's, I think, where, you know, the whole discussion about visibility uh, you know, is accelerated uh, today uh, because of that. Yeah. 
Um, I think the other thing to kind of call out here is, you know, the appetite for, for resilience. So we had Fukushima, we had, you know, uh, the flooding in Thailand, the, uh, the hurricanes in, uh, in, uh, in the Caribbean. And how do we tie that risk component in, into global value chain? So there's a lot of fuzz and a lot of dynamics in terms of the decentralization of production, whether that's on the China plus one or China plus N, reshoring or nearshoring. And this is really where, you know, I think companies need to reconsider themselves in terms of, hey, do you want to embrace complexity uh, of global supply chains and the ability to source in low cost countries uh, markets? And what does that mean in terms of the license to operate? So I'll, I'll make the analogy when driving in a car, you need to have a driver license. And that's where, you know, visibility is a key component in that to manage risks and to manage your supply chains. Or do you go the route to really decomplexify your supply chain, decomplexify your, your supplier base, how you go to market and basically do not have to touch on the visibility side. Patrick, thank you for that. Uh, by the way, I love that uh, a new supply chain term, decomplexify. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. Um, you've just talked about visibility and you know, going back to that Rothschild uh, banking example, companies have struggled with it forever. Uh, first, why is that the case? And then what is the challenge for companies today when it comes to visibility? Yeah, so I think what's important here, if visibility has been uh, around uh, for, for as, as a topic in the whole supply chain space, uh, uh, but I would say visibility has been predominantly seen as a nice to have at, at, at senior management level. Uh, it's very hard to justify that into a business case. Because if you look in, in the mirror, right, so what are you going to do with visibility? If you have your supply chain that runs like uh, clockwise, you know, what, what is visibility going to bring you? Uh, of course, if you have issues on customer service or fulfillment levels, or you're basically, you know, really struggling on a backlog position, or you have other kind of issues, then the business case for selling control towers or for selling visibility is much more easier. Um, I think if you look into the last few years, what has developed and why this is a topic is much more on the forefront now is, you know, we had the Fukushima example, we had the hygiene collapse, uh, the Amazon effect uh, downstream in the supply chain side where consumers, such, uh, all of us have been used to getting more data points and visibility as the overall customer experience. This has basically kind of fueled uh, the need and the appetite for uh, for visibility. Now, of course, COVID has accelerated that even further. And if you then look into <clears throat> companies that have high complex supply chains, for instance, the high tech companies, you know, quite some uh, multinational companies in that space have invested or have outsourced uh, their visibility management uh, to, to parties or they have done that themselves. I think the other thing that is important here is that the price tag of technology has dropped over the last decade. So it's much more easier from a technology point of view uh, to put in place uh, visibility uh, to really steer and to manage your supply chains going forward. Patrick, really interesting information on the visibility and the technology that supports it. It sounds a little bit like um, the concept of control towers. While you know we've seen and heard a little bit about it, Give it to me from your perspective. What does a control tower mean to you and how do organizations view its utilization? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, if, you, if, if, if I would ask or if you would ask, you know, uh, 10 people, you might get also 10 different viewpoints or angles of it, right? So uh, I think, you know, how I look at this, it's, it's basically a combination of elements, right? So we look at a control tower as an organization, including people that are overlooking you know, all parties in the supply chain that has process in place for daily execution and control 
with capabilities and tools that support both operational and strategic decision making with the objective to drive and to improve uh, customer service and the bottom line result. Um, that's still very broad, right? If you look into, you know, if I would peel the onion on control towers, we see a, a wide range uh, in the industry uh, out there, right? So you have basically two, two types of control towers. One are more the freight control towers that focus on the transportation side. So really on transportation management, uh, whether that's outbound or inbound, or whether it's LTL or FTL or parcel. So I would call those more the classical kind of control towers. And then you have more the control towers that are uh, tied into the end-to-end. So end-to-end meaning, you know, all the way down from your supplier, supplier inbound uh, to, to manufacturing sites, the intercompany uh, management, uh, as well as the outbound, but also kind of tying that to the operations in, in the manufacturing sites, as well as on the uh, distribution side. So really important here when you talk about uh, control towers is to understand you know, what is the functional scope? What, what is a company trying to achieve? Because visibility, you know, comes, comes with a price tag. You need to invest in capability, but what are you ultimately trying to achieve from that? And that's, that's really, it's important to kind of see, to, to, to do that assessment. And, and I, we did recently with a BCI a survey, and there you see that the majority of people that do have a control tower in place uh, is either doing that in intercompany, so between uh, manufacturing plants across the globe or between, you know, plants and DCs or even DCs to DCs, uh, or they have a control tower in place that basically manage the downstream side. So the customer facing transportation as such, but there's only a few companies uh, or limited degree of uh, companies that really covers the end-to-end -end concept uh, as, as, as such. And of course, now with the whole COVID dynamic, you know, I think what's important here to call out is that you know, yes, you need to have the ability to steer and, and manage to manage global supply chains in a better way, but also ties into how do you factor in risk management into the consideration? How do you take into account the ability to manage your, what I call your tier X suppliers? So that's a, your supplier base, your suppliers, and not only from a transportation point of view, but also from a capability for inventory positioning point of view. So that ultimately, you can also make better decisions going forward. Thanks for that, Patrick. Uh, you may have touched on this a little bit in the last answer, but what are the different ways to put a control tower in place? You know, the multiple ways. Uh, so important here is to also make a distinction on what, what do you want to accomplish and, and how do you want to go about that? Uh, um, first of all, what kind of functional scope uh, do you want to put in place, right? Is it, is it the end-to-end -end or is it just a functional part of the supply chain? Uh, what do you want to achieve with visibility? Um, is that uh, just a visibility layer? Is that, you know, trying to also incorporate global trade management on top of operational planning? Or is it really kind of what we call the end-to-end -end piece? Um, it's also important to think about, you know, is this something that you see as a core competence within your own firm where you invest as a brand owner in technology? Or is this something that you believe uh, you can better, uh, you know, get from the marketplace uh, when going through, you know, uh, logistics providers or 4PLs? that can basically uh, bring that forward to you. So it's really important to kind of, you know, understand what are the right value pockets for the company. So what does really drive value? What do you want to accomplish over time with such a control tower? And what is the right uh, setup from a technology point of view or from a partner point of view? And how do you then basically implement that? And I think you know, on the implementation side, uh, it's important to really to kind of do a right scoping, a right communication internally in terms of, and hey, what do we want to get out of this? And how do you basically deploy that? 
and really about change management because you know uh, people are uh, fed up with all of big bang IT implementation. So how do you make sure that you know when you talk about visibility that you also can make an impact fairly quickly and get data at your fingertips rather than you know uh, seeing this as an IT project that will take two years to accomplish. Patrick, really great points on data collection and data utilization. Um, we recently did a podcast on supply chain design. Uh, one of our takeaways uh, was that it really isn't enough just in and of itself. As we take a look at control towers plus supply chain design, is, how quickly is that space changing? Or are we looking at a uh, easy or a slight modification? Or are we looking at an overhaul of how uh, companies will take a look at uh, supply chain design, network control towers, or is there something else that we should be thinking about? Great question. It's exciting to be in the supply chain landscape these days. If you look at you know where I see Nirvana to take to take in place is really a strong convergence of the world of physical transport and logistics. So the old I would call it the old freight management control towers that have been around with the world of planning. So those worlds have always been kind of disconnected, where you had you know a control tower for transport and logistics. You had a center of excellence of planning uh, with the different kinds of supply, demand plans, inventory plans, what have you. And what you basically see, what I'm expecting to see in the near future is those worlds will converge. And really what that will bring is we kind of use the data, whether that's data from, from the actual production site or the sources, whether that's data coming in from the in-transit and the deviations, to really kind of make sure that the company can uh, use that data for, for planning purposes rather than just using uh, static information in ERP systems. And that will really drive, you know, real-time decision-making across the entire supply chain. And, and that will ultimately evolve with new kind of technologies, whether that's machine learning, AI, towards more like autonomous planning kind of concepts. Uh, so I would say, you know, if you look into, you know, control towers today and, and where they develop going forward and also tying in with the supply chain design spaces, there's quite still some firefighting that you see happening in organizations where basically some of these kind of tools and, and, and capabilities have a value add, but we don't unlock the full potential there. And that's where, you know, uh, if you look into the, 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 the routine task and the, the level of automation that you can deploy, that can be pretty, uh, pretty significant. Uh, one of our surveys we did really last year was that, you know, 60% of the audience of more than 100 people is expecting that, that the world of, of planning, uh, so the sales operations planning and supply and demand planning is going to be integrated with, with those kind of control towers, but also that they are seeing a huge kind of uh, level of automation to be expected in, uh, in the next five years. And if you then look into companies such as, for instance, the, um, the, uh, the, the Merck, the German Merck is a pharma company that has really gone through a major digitization transformation on getting, you know, the, seeing the control towers as a starting point, but really as a stepping stone for automated planning. Or if you look into one of our clients, you know, High uh, really kind of using this as, you know, a digitization initiative where you have data lakes, where you have the ability to kind of have the data at your fingertips to ultimately use visibility for better decision making. Well, when you're talking about Supply chain network design is also a concept about digital twins and replica of your supply chain. That, of course, needs to be fed, right? You need to be fed by real-life data. And that's also where, you know, the concept of control towers can be basically a lot of uh, providing the data and the data repository and the capability to make better decisions for company going forward. 
Uh, uh, Patrick, before wrapping up, we have a couple of minutes here. And I wanted to go back to something that you talked about early on that, frankly, I'd never thought of. And you talked about, you know, visibility as a business case. How do you build the business case for visibility? Never thought of that. That's a good catch here. Is that that's where a lot of companies are struggling. Um, and I think it starts with, you know, do you have an issue at hand? Uh, so uh, if you if you speed on the highway and you get caught, you get a ticket, right? Uh, but if you speed and you don't get a ticket, then there might not be an issue. And that's what you see in some of uh, companies that, that we work with where, you know, uh, they are not hit by the lack of visibility yet. Uh, whereas others, as I said, you know, the companies that have been faced with, with Fukushima flooding, you know, all the natural disasters or fires or really had issues in their global supply chain, uh, they've seen the value of visibility much, much more early in the game. And if you look into, you know, if you sell this internally, and I think that's really where also leadership kicks in, is in terms of, you know, what are you trying to do with, with, with visibility? You know, what is, what is the price tag? Does, does visibility automatically gives you better customer service? Does that visibility gives you better, you know, ways to, you know, think about sustainability and manage uh, the, the sustainability impacts of your supply chain? Think about ways on, you know, uh, what is the price tag or what are the cost savings you can get from a control tower? And that's where, you know, you need to go through a, a review of, you know, where's really the value for a particular company? Is that, you know, across all geographies? Is that on the intercompany side? Is that on the downstream side? Is that on really on the end-to-end -end side? And that's where, you know, companies need to really think about, you know, what do you want to achieve and how do you put a price tag to things that you cannot do without the concept of control tower? So that could be really linked towards, if you talk about elements like operational elements, or, or sorry, operation excellence, how do you tag that into, you know, freight, inventory benefits, you know, reduce headcounts, consolidation benefits, what have you, versus if you talk about elements that are linked to uh, customer facing or customer uh, customer intimacy elements, whether that's, you know, having predictability in terms of your estimated time of arrivals or the rerouting options that you have when goods are in, um, in transit or having better communication with your customers, already hinted from the, on the sustainability side, uh, given COVID, the whole risk management, whether that's event management, uh, looking at uh, reduced costs to fix or repair, uh, looking at BCPs, that's a key element. Uh, another element here to throw into the mix is how do you quantify better decision making in terms of improved forecasting, or if you talk about proactiveness in terms of problem solving or channel management or even supply chain network design. So what do you really need to do? What my advice would be, the company is really kind of unravel and to peel the onion to say, you know, hey, what's the value that 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 I believe or that I can bring to the company by unlocking or implementing such a control tower? Because that also drives, you know, the cadence and the scope and the type of investments going forward. Thank you. I know um, Abe and I had a chance to talk to uh, Greg Tornman, who's a supply chain executive at Agco a couple of weeks ago, and they were a company that has made uh, risk management a real best practice there and had visibility into what was happening with COVID. And, you know, the lesson from that is that um, getting visibility early uh, really made a difference in their supply chain. And uh, so thank you again for that. Great information. I hope they or all the listeners to today's podcast got as much out of it as we did. That's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining, and we hope you'll be back for our next episode. We look forward to seeing you then. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Ashkenazi. Stay safe, everyone.
The Rebound is a joint production of the Association for Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. For more information, be sure to visit ASCM.org and STMR.com. We hope you'll join us again.